Welcome to the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. We are previewing Survivor Second Chance, also known as Cambodia. This is our fifth season that we are podcasting about Survivor. I am John. Andy is my co-host. Andy, can you believe that we have made it to five seasons? Can you believe we still talk to each other? I really cannot. That's the part of the reason I can't believe we've made it five seasons. We'll have to see how after this show goes if that's still going to happen, because there will be differing opinions expressed. Mm-hmm. One in particular, I imagine, will be quite contentious. <laughs> There's somebody that if I say anything, it becomes a little contentious. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm expecting. Well, yeah, welcome back, everybody. We're doing podcasting again. It's not just writing, we're talking. Yeah, in case you missed it, we do have a new website, purplerockpodcast.com. We did a whole lot of what the marketing types call content this summer. Uh, we did a series called 30 from 30, the 30 moments that shaped the first 30 seasons of Survivor. Uh, we also did a, at least two podcasts over the summer, uh, related to the same project. So if you have been away for a bit and you only kind of check in when the season starts because you are a healthy person with a good life, uh, that stuff's evergreen. That stuff's not changing. So we, uh, welcome you to check out all the new stuff out. Uh, we have something big happening, uh, with the website right now. What's that, John? Okay, we have a uh, fantasy league going on, if that's your sort of thing. We do a Survivor Fantasy League every season. I'm expecting this year we'll have more players than ever in it. Basically, you can pick four survivors, any four survivors, and as long as nobody else has taken them, they will be your team for the year. We have our point system, our scoring system up on the website. Again, just check it out, purplerockpodcast.com. It'll be impossible to miss, and I highly encourage you to play, unless you are the type... That has gone searching for spoilers, in which case, get off of our Fantasy League. And to clarify, as long as nobody else has that exact combination of four players, because obviously, somebody will have those players. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd be a very short Fantasy League. Yeah, and I mean, you uh, made the disclaimer, get off our Fantasy League. Really, you could just stay away from our site. We're not interested <laughs> in spoilers at all. I mean, you're certainly welcome to read or listen as long as you never talk. Because, uh, that's something we'll get out right in front. We, uh, are not a spoiler, uh, podcast. We are not a spoiler website. We are not two people who enjoy being spoiled about the outcome of the show we watch. So you won't get that any here and we don't want none either. I really don't understand the spoiler phenomenon. Why do you want to be spoiled? on a show that you enjoy watching. Like, who says, I want to know the whole plot of a book before reading it? I, mean, I guess there's some people out there. Um, and, look, there, I mean, there are some people also, it's like being spoiled doesn't change anything for me. They still have the experience. Like, you know, you can go back and read a classic piece of literature that you basically know. But, I mean, this is an outcome-based TV show, and you only get to experience it with that level of doubt once. Why ruin that for you? Exactly. All right, and then one more thing, new thing you may have noticed if you've uh, downloaded uh, this podcast through iTunes, maybe through Stitcher. I'm not sure actually how, if they mark things. And hey, that's news. We're on Stitcher now. Uh, check us out if that's the way you like to do it. Um, you may have noticed that we have a little E next to our podcast that we've never had before. Um, that would mean that this is explicit. Basically, why we did that isn't necessarily so we could go crazy uh, with the cursing. So much that... Um, we have some in the, we have some podcasts in our archives that we did not bother to edit and not even our incredibly lazy way of editing that we've done in the past <laughs> where our intention was more than obvious but we met the letter of the law 
Uh, but more when we'd interview other people and we didn't want them to self-censor. And it turns out it's kind of a zero-sum game with iTunes. Either you're completely clean or you're not. Um, there are ways to uh, mark individual podcasts, but John and I did not want to find out how to do that. Yeah, as with most things, you can just assume that laziness is what drove this decision. Yeah, so to in terms of our editing, um, bleeping those things out was probably the most work there is. It's not a lot, but it just takes a little bit more than hitting a button. So we don't want to do that. However, if you do have an issue with that, if maybe you... You used to listen to this podcast with your kids, maybe while you're in the car or whatever, and this would become an inconvenience to you. Please email us because while it's a little more work, it's not that much hard work. So if we find that it's going to alienate some of our audience, we'll go back to lazily editing out our swears. So just email us and let us know. But I, I, the impression we've gotten is nobody cares. So, yeah. uh, it was kind of a wasted effort on our part. And perhaps more importantly, I, I think if we're going to have an expletive heavy show, which again will probably be pretty rare, but the thing that we will probably always do is warn you at, up front at the start of the podcast. That's what we've done with interviews in the past where we didn't censor. Just to give you a heads up, if you are with your kids or someone that you don't want to hear profanity, if you're in the office, which why are you not wearing headphones? Yeah. But anyway, we'll give you a fair warning. Yeah. But otherwise, I mean, you haven't suddenly gotten like the after dark version of our podcast or anything. This is basically just to keep us in compliance with iTunes. And, uh, to make things slightly easier for ourselves. All right. So that's the business that we need to get, uh, taken care of now. Uh, there's a season coming up, John. Thank God. We've been a whole summer without any survivor. We knew all the players and then it played out and it was happening and we knew it was happening and we had no idea what was going on. And now we're finally going to get to see. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm pretty psyched. I, I think I'm more excited for this season easily than any season we've podcasted about before. And it's been a while, I think, that this level of anticipation. And obviously, I mean, that's what you get with an all-star season. But the unique way that this one came about, I think, has raised anticipation even more. Yeah, just because it felt like we were involved, whether whether or not we really were. Take off the tinfoil hat. We were. You know what? We must have been because only America would not vote Shane Powers into this thing. Yeah, and then also look at a couple of the choices. Like, Survivor probably would not have chosen this person over that person. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I think fans got to vote. Who knows what kind of fans, but we had an input, and um, you certainly voted a lot. This is something that I've noticed about how excited I am for this season and particular players, and I tried to explain this on my Twitter, but it turns out, and this is Really odd to find out. But 140 characters isn't always the best format from which to express, like, a little more complicated a thought. Uh, is I found that I'm not that excited, or that isn't the right word. I'm not as excited about the uh, recent returnees as the old ones. Agreed. Yeah, and the reason why isn't just that, you know, I mean, the first one's obvious. You know, you've been waiting longer for these people. And we're mm-hmm. old-time fans. And some of it also for me, and perhaps you, is the 30 for 30 project we've been doing. It's been I've been living a bit in the past with Survivor this summer. But it's more like as the interviews are coming in, the people that appeal to me most are the people who you get a sense that this is not just like something they've been waiting for for a long time. That's a big part of it. But also just the sense of relief. Because a lot of these people probably felt like their time had passed. Like they were not coming back. And that's not true of most of the new people. And it's like, it's not that I don't want to see, you know, Joe, Shereen, Spencer. It's just, 
they almost feel out of place in this season because those people, you know, Sierra, Venus, had to know they were coming back the next time they brought people back. But, yeah, a Savage, a Terry, a Varner, not only have they wanted this for a long time, they probably realized it wasn't going to happen for them. And that that's palpable sense of excitement and relief that's coming through with all of the interviews that came through in the voting process is uh really exciting. Yeah, I think I just fell asleep. I'm so glad that Twitter limits you to 140 characters because you really could have expressed that a lot more briefly. I tried, and somebody <laughs> totally didn't get what I was saying, so I decided I wanted to talk about it a bit more. Because like I said, I'm not saying that Shireen doesn't deserve to be there. Because I would hang up on you immediately. And I would keep talking, and it would <laughs> be an would. amazing podcast. All right, let's actually talk about some players. Uh, Yeah, so before we do that, we should probably warn our audience about how we are going to talk and what information we have to talk about. Go ahead. Yes. <laughs> I was going to let you talk there, let the record state, because I'm not sure that's going to happen again. Uh, so there's been a lot of interviews out there, and some of the um, subjects have been very candid about their intentions going into the game. These are pre-game interviews where somebody, especially like Jeff Varner, is saying exactly who he has pre-game alliances with, who he wants to target, who he doesn't trust, and there's been a lot of that. There's been videos, there's been all that. We've seen them, we've read them, and we thought about whether we would talk about them on the podcast here, because some people might think of them as spoilers. And we decided, yeah, we're going to talk about them, because there's no way we can't. Right. To do so otherwise would be dishonest. It would pretend like we know something or we have a feeling about something that we got from somebody else's hard work, you know? And there's been some really great interviews out there. And also Dalton Ross. Um, <laughs> it, we basically came to the conclusion that in any other season that wasn't an all-star returnee season, we would have been watching all these pregame videos and we would have been discussing them with you about these characters because that's the only way that we would have any idea who these people are. So... We watched them all. We're going to talk about them all. If that bothers you, maybe don't listen to this until after the first episode airs for some reason. I don't know why you would care. If you're if you're diligent enough to come find a podcast that's a preseason preview, I'm sure you've seen all this stuff anyway. Or if you haven't, the service that we're providing is kind of summarizing it for you. Sure. And here's the other thing. Um, what people say about their pregame intentions... Uh, by their very nature cannot be spoilers because nothing's happened yet. This is what they thought was going to happen. And John and I are pretty similar in this respect that we don't really believe the hype on pregame alliances. We're not saying these people are lying to us. Um, maybe there, there's probably a little bit of that. A little yeah, there are some that are. Yeah. It's more that everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And that's, and this show, this season in particular, is going to do things to mess with people. Again, I don't have any information on that side. I just kind of, uh, duh. You know, yeah. <laughs> they they are uh, keenly aware of pregame alliances. They're letting preferred partners of theirs interview and post things about pregame alliances. You know, ET, EW doesn't just post whatever. They don't go rogue. They don't, you know, <laughs> Survivor has signed off on all of that. And basically in the past, the, the pregame alliances we know about are all the ones that have been betrayed. So we're not too fussed about it. It will be part of our analysis and maybe part of what we're thinking, but it also a lot of it we might just throw out like, yeah, that's nice, but we'll find out. Right. Yeah, all of that will go in. Now, there is one other thing that has been, I guess, spoiled, but it's again, it's been spoiled by CBS itself. It's out there uh, about what's going to happen in the game. That one we're going to talk about at the very end. We'll give another spoiler warning. Right. So to summarize what Andy took 15 minutes to say there... We will not talk about actual spoilers. We will talk about pregame videos, and they will 
often not amount to anything at all. We're still going to have ridiculous predictions that will be proven totally wrong. Yeah, we've never been close with our uh, pregame predictions for the winner. Uh, there was a time I believe you predicted Jatia might win. Uh, mm-hmm. I last season predicted that the first boot would win. So Kim, that's her name. Uh, so yeah, never close. And we're going to keep that streak alive. All right. Let's talk about these people. Okay. So to start the game, we have two tribes. The Takeo tribe? Huh? Is that close? Takeo, maybe? Sure. I don't know. We'll find out. And the uh, Bayon tribe? We're going to start with the Takeo tribe. And let's just get this out of the way. Uh, Want to talk about Shireen? Yeah. Why don't you talk first so I can just be bitter in my responses to you? All right. Actually, I, before we talk, um, should we disclaim... What you may or may not know for people who know that you do a podcast with her? <laughs> About a, an entirely different show? Yeah, so another thing that happened on the offseason is John and Shireen recorded a podcast on their, you know, foreign hipster survivor. There's something, I don't know, it's on Twitter, I don't really pay much attention. The Genius. So we recorded a podcast about The Genius, which has nothing to do with Survivor, and we discussed nothing about Survivor. Which is why I never listened to it. Yeah, because Andy is far too cool for good television. No, Andy's too busy with other television to hunt down another game show. Um, No, more to that, obviously you have some level of relationship with her, so she told you everything, you're completely spoiled. Well, so... The one thing that happened, which is really odd, is since Shireen and I both follow each other on Twitter, well, I guess technically you and I both follow Shireen and she follows us because it's a shared account, Ish. I actually had people tweeting at me like, oh, I bet Shireen already told you all the boot order or whatever. And I was like, first of all, why would she ever do that? Second of all, why would I ever want to know that information? Again, why would I want a show that I enjoy spoiled for me? And that's just basically what I want to get out there. Yes, John knows Shireen to some level. Um, hey, I just want to... No, I want to make this comparison. Hey. I know Shireen as well as I know Andy in that I talk to both of them on the internet. That's my point. So yeah, Sean isn't spoiled, but he is incredibly biased. Oh, that I do not deny that in the least. So that now that disclaimer is out there for the rest of the season, we can move on. And yes, you don't have to worry about her feeding him inside information prior to events happening. So yeah, Shireen, um, I am obviously not as excited to see her back as you because that would be impossible. Like, mm-hmm. like mathematically, I don't think that could happen. But, right. um, I voted for her. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to see her. Uh, to the degree that I'm happy to see any of the new people. Um, I think she will do better here than she did last season. And what are you basing that on? non people. Okay, so that's, I, I separated all these players into three tiers. Favorites, long shots, and no chance. There's a very limited number of people that I've put into favorites. I could not, despite my insane bias for Shireen, put her into that group just because I think at some point Shireen, Steven, and Spencer are all targets for their brains and for their obsessive knowledge of this show. So I'm going to call Shireen a long shot. I think she'll be a loyal ally. I think she'll help out somebody's alliance. And then at some point... It's going to get deep into the game and people are going to realize, no, I don't want to go to the end with Shireen and she'll get cut out. Yeah, see, I don't know if people will have a problem going to the end with her. Uh, so now I'll start to say the stuff that'll probably bother you and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, again, and then one more disclaimer. I don't DM her on Twitter or anything like that. Uh, my relationship with Shireen is about the same as any survivor ever, which is there's somebody I watched on TV. And thus my information is incomplete, but 
whatever. I'm judging TV characters. Um, I think people won't be as bothered by her because, for one, these are gamers. They're not going to be, you know, pissy about something like that. If she is annoying to them, and I'm not suggesting that necessarily she will be, they would see that as an asset, not necessarily a flaw. Uh, and they, I think they will also know not to make somebody an outcast like that. But I don't think she's as big a threat to win because I think there's something about her personality that would prevent a jury from voting for her. Um, and it's not a negative thing necessarily, except that it's a negative for Survivor. I, the impression I've gotten of her from what happened last season, from interviews, uh, from an interview you and I had with her, is she has a very strong sense of social justice, which is a great thing in life and maybe not such a great thing in Survivor. Well, we've actually talked about that before, how this game sort of incentivizes allowing bad things to happen rather than rocking the boat. Yeah, and like the perfect example is what happened to her. And you can say that it was kind of beyond you know, normal. I'm, I wasn't mm-hmm. there. I'm not going to suggest otherwise. But the idea like that everybody else besides Mike was terrible for not doing anything about it. In real world situations, yes. In Survivor, it's tougher, you know? But for her, if that were to happen somewhere else, I don't think she would stay. I mean, actually, I could almost guarantee she would not be one of the people that said nothing. And I think that would hurt her. Uh, like in our interview with her, she was, um, very excited about the time that Jeff Probst stuck up for, stuck up for Janu before she headed to, uh, the very first Exile Island. Uh, and she got very angry at Tom and Ian and Katie for laughing at her. It's that sort of thing that I think she's a very intense personality. And that's what I think more than anything is what rubs people the wrong way in Survivor. It's just, you're out there, you're tired, you're hungry, you're bored as hell. And there's just somebody who's so intense. And some of that shows in her enthusiasm, which I know she's, yeah, said, I, I'm going to tamper that down. But then you see her preview videos, it's like, you can't. The cameras get there, you're on Survivor, this is you, this is the person she is. I was so in love with those preview videos. And for me, it was like, see, it's all there again. And again, I don't think she's going to annoy these people like those people, but I think some of it's going to be there. I think her intense personality is what makes her somebody who probably can't win. But, as you say, I do think her uh, demonstrated loyalty and her lack of being threatening, at least in the early stages, will help her. I don't think she's going anywhere for a little while. Yeah, she does have the advantage of, you know, people watched her on her season. So when you get to the post-merge scenario, she's not going to be the intimidating challenge beast. I think really the only reason you're getting rid of her is because I'm assuming to have made it there, she might have made some strategic moves along the way and people might think, oh, you know, she's too good with the strategy. We've got to dispatch her now. So we're both coming to the same conclusion for entirely different reasons. I think Shireen would be a long shot to win this season. Agreed. All right. Uh, the next person is the person I so want to win now, but I don't know. I can't believe we're talking about him so early. We should have saved him for the hammer. Well, He's... I figured we'd get all our the ones we really want to talk about now in case we near the end we're just like, ah, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Running low on time, just talk <laughs> our way off. <laughs> because uh, there's no player who's won me over as much in this preseason as Jeff Varner. Oh my god. So in love with Varner. If you haven't watched preseason videos, you are doing yourself a disservice because Jeff Varner is gold. He is so good. I actually slotted him as one of the favorites, partly because I'm in love with the guy. He's amazing. He's from an earlier season that most people don't remember. It's been a long time since I've watched Australia. He's super charming. He's not physically imposing at all. 
and the guy came to play like he you can tell he was really hungry for it he's he talks about his pregame alliances those could immediately backfire but he just seems like the type that he'll find a way to make it work yeah if jeff farner is the first person voted out this season uh well for one that would be heartbreaking but yes. it would still be worth it. He has already given us so much. And I think that he will be a continued part of the Survivor community, probably at least for a little while. And it's been fantastic. Um, perhaps my whole you know, idea of what I'm looking forward to is basically shaped by Varner. You watch him and he's funny. He's candid. And he's there's also like a sense of heart that... Frankly, you don't get a lot in Modern Survivor. Yes. Um, like you can, he feels things and you know, he's still ready to stab everyone in the back with glee, uh, uh-huh. which is awesome. But <laughs> you know, there's also like he, he has perspective. He knows what this means. He, you know, what is it now? 15 years ago? Basically 15. Yeah. yeah. 15 years ago, he was booted out because of a terrible tiebreaker and that he jumped down for peanut butter and he now knows 15 years later most of those years he had to think that it's never going to happen for him mm-hmm. what that means and what you know being away from this means and what that time in his life was and i get every impression that he's going to savor every second of this and and part of that is doing everything he can to move forward by making alliances with basically everybody. Yes. So we have to talk about yes. this because the preseason pregame alliance video is basically the Varner show. Yeah. Everybody else is just co-stars to help fiddle in his story and make it funnier. Yes. They, they're basically there just for the juxtaposition of going back and forth from them to Varner. Almost all of them deny it. That they have these pregame alliances, and then every once in a while they'll sort of hit on one of the other people that Varner happens to mention are in these alliances. So it looks like he's got two alliances set up already. And this was pregame before uh, tribe divisions or anything had been made. Yes, and this is why it's so magical. Because every single person that he mentions being in an alliance with is on his tribe to start the game. <laughs> yeah, and not, not everybody on his tribe. Abby and Wu, uh, sadly, weren't mentioned, but everybody else. It's like he's got his old people alliance, he's got his young people alliance, and they're all there. Uh, and what's really great is if you listen to um, Shane's podcast with Boss... Oh, not Boss and nope. Rob. <laughs> uh, that would be a terrible podcast. Uh, Shane uh, was talking about his alliance. Uh, that he had this lock solid group and they had had a conference call and well, nothing was ever going to break these guys up. It's clearly the alliance that Jeff Farner is talking about. Yes. And Vetus does his best to deny it. Uh, did they talk to Terry? I don't remember, but Varner just lays it all out there. He's like, Shane was going to be involved in it and Terry and Kelly Wigglesworth. And then we're, we're bringing in Vetus through Terry. And then he's like, but I still have my young person alliance with Shireen and Spencer and Kelly. And Kelly and PG. So yeah. basically, eight out of ten people on his tribe are in his alliance, including himself. So Yeah, and you gotta figure Wu is just taking Shane's spot at some point. Yeah. I mean, not pregame, because I bet that guy doesn't answer phones. But um <laughs> it's so funny. And what means is I think for his chances, this could go great or this could be an utter disaster. It is not out of the possibility that he's the first person out hoisted on his own petard. Yeah, he could immediately be booted out of this game for trying to split two alliances. And do you think the show, you know, had knowledge of this interview or his plans and decided for the lulls to put them all together at once? They did that on purpose, right? 
Absolutely. I mean, we talked last season about the interventions that this show makes into various things that we're fine with. Like, all right, just give us an entertaining show. As long as it's not just patently unfair, just give us an entertaining show. That's their job. So for the first episode, what to watch is, you know, Varner negotiating all of this. <laughs> Varner threading the needle with this alliance thing. And I hope it works because I want all the Jeff Varner we can get this season. I'm yep. not worried in the slightest that he's going to underdeliver. You know, that's the, the, the great fear and problem of returnees is sometimes they are bitter disappointments. Some of these people will definitely be bitter disappointments. Mm-hmm. Jeff Varner will not be. I'm, I'm guaranteeing no. that. That's the one prediction I'm confident on. Watch the alliances video. Look at his eyes when they ask him what his pregame alliance is. He does this quick darting eyes thing around the room like, am I? Am I supposed to talk about that? And then he's like, screw it. He just lays it all out. All like, yeah, it. whatever, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so awesome. It's funny because, yeah, I mentioned, uh, I, I messaged you this. It's like, man, we should have interviewed him for real because we did interview him during the, um, the voting, but it was uh, an email interview that I conducted with him. But then I started thinking, it's like, he wouldn't have been able to tell us any of this stuff. It was only yeah. once he got on there and he's been super candid. Uh, so watch that video, but also, uh, Josh Wiggler, uh, for parade.com uh, wrote a, an excellent interview with him. And that's where you get a lot of the heart too. That yeah, he has all these alliances and he really wants to be out there, but he also talks about like his relationship with Kimmy and how if he could, he'd like to help her out because, you know, she could, use a little bit more money. And that's also great. We'll talk to you right now and we'll get into the next person. He wants Spencer gone so bad. (laughs) So one of the things that's on the pregame videos is, I don't remember, is it Dalton Ross that asks everybody who they went out first? Yeah, so he asks basically everyone who you voting out first. And there are some people that just don't hesitate. And Jeff Varner is just giddy saying that it's Spencer that he wants gone right away. And what he has introduced to the lexicon of Survivor fandom. Oh my god, this is amazing. Hashtag crotch framing. So, and this this is, I believe, in the, the uh, Dalton Ross video, but definitely in the Josh Wiggler interview. Uh, so, in the pregame Ponderosa, and on the flight over, Varner is reading um, how to interpret body language and what that'll tell you. And apparently, if you... Uh, <laughs> Hold your hands around your crotchal area, uh, and it, just standing there or something, that's called crotch framing, and that's just a way of showing that you own the room and you're dominant male, look at me and my junk. And apparently Spencer is always doing that. And that's one of the reasons why Barner wants him gone. Hashtag crotch framing. Use it relentlessly this season. Anytime you see it, I, can you imagine if CBS put that on the screen? With the- it would be the best thing ever, and they will never do it ever. because their hashtags are <laughs> terrible. Oh, but maybe Jeff Varner will introduce it in a, a in an interview, and they'd have to. And oh, oh my god, we would I imagine have to pause it and just die. It would be the first time I ever praised CBS social media. I'm sure they'd spell it wrong or something. Yeah, they would. Uh, so yeah, I think Varner has a chance to win. I think his biggest uh, obstacle will be his health. Yeah, he mentions that in the interview too. Uh, he, I guess, has been a long-term smoker, and as you may not, or as you may be aware, smoking not so good for your health, especially long-term. Yeah, so he might. It might be one of those situations where either he has to bow out, or that he is just too big a albatross to his alliance. But 
if he can get past those things, I think he can manipulate this game. And these people, you know, I watched him on Survivor Australia this, you know, off season. I watched all of Survivor Australia. I mean, I remembered him from before. I remember like, oh, that guy, I enjoyed him. But yeah. I really enjoyed him. He's great and he'll continue to be great. So, uh, yeah. his nemesis, Spencer, how, a lot of people seem to want Spencer out. Yeah, there was a couple people that had mentioned they wanted Spencer gone. So I've had several people that I have done a complete 180 on. I don't know that Spencer technically qualifies for that because we were never on board the Spencer hype train in Kagayan, but we just thought he was getting overrated by the audience. We weren't like down on Spencer, but I mean, Spencer agreed with us. Spencer said the same sorts of things in all of his post-game press, and I have loved absolutely everything that Spencer has done since Kagayan. He's funny on Twitter. He was great on Rap as a podcast. He was good in his Reddit AMAs. He's been good in his, you know, pregame stuff here. I think that between Steven and Spencer, and I'm going to lump them together because they're essentially two sides of the same coin. I think Spencer has the better shot. Yeah. I, you know, he could be the first one out. I do think he is carrying a big target mm-hmm. uh, because I think mostly just because he's popular. and uh, <laughs> We'll get into that one. Yeah, because I don't know if he's a, that big a threat. But I think there's been a lot of big threats that did well in Survivor. You know, people are like, oh, mm-hmm. that Boston Rob, I'm scared of him. And then hey, I can't wait to give him a million dollars, you know. So I don't know. <laughs> that's one of those areas where these pregame stuff is like, yeah, it's funny and all, but I don't care. Yeah, I do think he's uh, much better equipped at this than Stephen Fishbach. I think he has a better understanding of what modern Survivor is. And I do think he is able to make friends. The biggest challenge mm-hmm. he has is he's so young. Yeah. And it's hard to like the young. It so is. Like, <laughs> you and I, like, sometimes, you know, like, I am with a couple young people, and they're the worst. Yeah. Shout out to Emma and Mark. Spencer, like I said, with Shireen. Shireen, Steven, Spencer, they are, I think, the brains of this season. Mm-hmm. So if that is a thing that bothers you, you're going to want to take them out. I actually think that he'll get by early on. I I don't know that he'll end up getting targeted by Varner. I mean, they might not even go to tribal council, so it might not be an mm-hmm. issue. But I don't know that he's going to win. I'm going to call him a long shot to win. But I think he probably goes farther than Steven and maybe even Shireen, too. Like I think of those three, the three quote-unquote brains that I'm calling them, he probably has the best shot to go deep. Yeah, I think he needs to get past the first three days. I think those yeah. will be the most dangerous days for him, and he might not even know it. Because um, I think there's also some, like, uh, residual annoyance. Because, again, we have to remember, these people did this a long time ago. They were fresh off the vote. They, they, on TV, they're on a bus, they're on a plane, you know? So um Spencer didn't really have to try to get on this season, and I think that's bothered people. You know, uh-huh. somebody like Jeff Farner, somebody like Andrew Savage, like PG, they were having out there, like, hustle every day. Spencer, yeah, he eventually did his interview with Rob. That was probably about it. He wasn't even on Twitter much because he knew he was going to be on. We knew. Everybody yeah. knew. And I think, yep. and, and you see that, and we'll talk about it a bit more later with Joe. It's just, I think people resented that. They were, like, sweating it out. And there's Joe and Spencer sitting in the front row in between Brad Culpepper, just like, sure, whatever, buddy. We're on mm-hmm. this thing. Uh, so I do think there will be some of that, but I think he can get past that. I think once people realize that he is a good person to work with, he'll be fine. The other big thing that will be a problem is some of these Kageon people are going to get burned early, and he has to make sure he's not one of them. But everybody's afraid that there's four of them. 
Right. And we should mention that too. Because there are four people from Cagayan here, and that's the most. There are three from San Juan del Sur, but there's four from Cagayan. I actually don't know how well they'll all work together. I don't think they are. Like, it's it's not the right four. You know, there's Spencer right. Tasha. Okay. They're, they would like to work with together somehow. I believe that Cass and, you know, Tasha, Spencer don't get along. I don't think that's just for, to throw everybody off the scent. And then Wu is just freaking Wu. So I think the big problem is that it's, it's the first three days. You're going to tribal council. The thing you want to do is point the fingers at somebody else just to take heat off you. So it's very easy to say, Hey, there are four Kagayan people. We got to take one of them out right now. Yeah. So I think Spencer is, uh, I think he has a shot to win. Uh, in fact, I'll say, I think almost anybody does because I really have no idea how this season's going to go. There are some people that have no shot. No, there's some people that have no shot, yeah. But I'm willing to stretch my you know, levels because I never would have predicted most of the returnee winners, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Chiefly Amber. Uh, so, yeah, I'm willing to cast a wide net because there's such a mix of different players here. And everybody has this strategy that I don't. I think will almost all fall apart. But I also think he's a, a candidate to be the first person gone. Yeah, and um, we should point out, since you mentioned previous returnee seasons, there have been two full returnee seasons. Women have won both of them. That is true. you think that trend's going to hold, by the way? Um, I don't know if it's a trend yet. I think you need- Yeah, I know. I, technically, there's not enough data points for it to be a trend, but... I mean- no, I will say in the past, uh, I always thought that was a strong thing. Uh, that's why for uh, Cara Moen, I, I picked Andrea. Because it was basically how it worked, not just in uh, Survivor returning seasons, but other uh, reality shows that I, you know, sometimes casually watched. It always seemed to be the person who mo- was the biggest question mark or one of the bigger question marks for why they came back. Like, it was never one of the obvious choices. It was one of these randos that ended up winning. <laughs> so Amber was, like, the 20th member of All-Stars, right? Um, and basically because four other young pretty girls said no. And then even, like, Sandra was one of the lower-profile winners of that season. I mean, she definitely wasn't the the 20th member of the cast. That season, no. that was Danielle. 19th was Candace. But, you know, when you're looking <laughs> at, like, that big group of people, Sandra wasn't, like, even top 10, I don't think, going in. No. Because people, frankly, weren't giving her the due. She needed to win again to get the due that, you know, her style of play deserves. And that, that is probably one of the reasons why she was able to win, because she wasn't a target. But... I mean, Tyson won Blood versus Water, right? Uh, Cochran mm-hmm. won Kara um, Moen. While he wasn't a big threat from a gameplay perspective, he was probably like the headliner of that season along with Malcolm in terms of star power going in, right? Uh, I think you're overestimating how much star power he had before Kara Moen. Uh, I'm also looking at who was in Kara Moen. That was a monster freaking true. group. Uh, and Poverty is another example, right? I mean, Poverty was the... What, the sixth place finisher that was basically a... She was a throw-in. flirty girl in a bikini, right? Yeah, because Candace said no, poverty got on. So that was then, but I think we're in a different era now. And we're in an era where I think big-name threats can actually take charge of the game. And a lot of that I'm basing because Tyson did. Although... Now that I think about my winner's pick, I might still be holding on to that women win all-star seasons. <laughs> but uh, I'm saying not necessarily. I'm, not, I'm saying that do not immediately discount somebody that seems to be too big a threat. All right. Well, let's move on to speaking of women. Let's move on to another woman. You have Abby Maria next on the list. Yeah. So, you know, I said I'm going to cast a wide net of a lot of winners and all of that. Uh, no, this would be one of those people who has no chance of winning. Yeah. Zero chance. Okay, so I, I'm glad you concur with that because, again, 
I tiered these into three groups, and she is one of my no chance people. No, and she's not there to win. I mean, I mean, nope. she herself probably thinks she is. She she will try, but that's not why she was on the the vote. That's not why people voted for her. She's on there to be a combustible uh, element that cause that provides entertainment and makes life difficult for the people that will win. Yeah, I my wife she cringes just seeing Abby Maria. She like has a visceral hatred for her. I wanted Abby Maria on this season. Although it would have been far more amazing if she was competing against RC for second chance and she got in and RC didn't. But more likely that wouldn't have happened, so it's probably best that we dodge no, that. In, in my hypothetical world, it, it totally happens. Anyway, it, it, she has zero chance of winning this game. She maybe she doesn't realize why she's included, but the rest of us do. She's not winning. Yeah, I mean, I will say that there is a chance that she is not anywhere near as bad as she was in Philippines. She has had chance to get older and mature. She is, um, part of... Uh, I just want to clarify, she was already in her 30s when the Philippines aired. I know, but she's older now, isn't she? And Survivor (laughs) itself was, I think, a, um, eye-opening experience, perhaps, for her. She, you know, in post-game interviews, she copped to some of the bad things she did. She showed some level of, uh, some reflection. She was injured, too. And that might have contributed to her being even more angry and awful. Uh, I'll say that I didn't really vote for Abby Maria. I did near the end. At first, I wasn't voting for her. Uh, I voted for Michaela instead, not because I was really interested in Michaela or cared to see her again, but I just felt so bad for what Brandon had to do her. <laughs> yeah, that was a really bad vote. I felt like, like, yeah, well, I don't really care about this 10th vote. That seems like karmic. But after a while, I'm like, ah, screw it. That's a waste of effort. I mean, Maria would be much better on television. So I don't think yeah. she will necessarily be as hateful. She's also become kind of a, a part of the Survivor hangout community. So apparently she's not that awful, you know? She goes to <laughs> RHAP events or whatever. So she might not be as bad, but she's still going to be crazy, and she's still going to be something that people have to deal with. And I think she'll still, like, immediately try to snap on people who she thinks is doing her wrong, and she still has no chance of winning. Yeah, it just if you think that Abby Maria has a chance at winning, just consider that Denise, who is a very rational, level-headed person basically bit Abby Maria's head off. And then didn't apologize when she had another opportunity. She's like, nope, yeah. I'm speaking the truth. Uh, so, yeah, that, that anything else on Abby Maria? Nah, let's move on. All right, uh, Terry. You know what? I'm interested in seeing Terry. It's not somebody I've ever really listed as like, I need that guy back, I need that guy back, but I'm interested to see how Terry does in this group and in this day and age. We got analogs on some of these people, mm-hmm. you know, Spencer and Steven. And then obviously it's Terry with Savage. So if we're getting Savage, fine, get Terry, uh, because you can't have Tom Westman since he's already won. Yeah. And here's the thing about Terry. I don't want him to be different. You know, I don't Me want either. I, I don't want to see him evolve or of like, you know, learn strategy or anything like that. I want to see him try maybe a little bit, but I want, I just want the same old Terry and I want to see what's, what it's like when Terry Dietz plays in 2015 against 2015 players. Well, I imagine you're going to get exactly that because you mentioned Abby Maria potentially maturing. Terry was already well into his forties in Panama. Yeah, he was who he was. You know, he's, he's said a few things like, oh, I'm going to try some strategy or whatever. It's like, yeah, I bet you will. I hope you still outsource that to the younger people, Terry. You know what it is? It's like when your, your dad tells you like, Hey, I'm going to try this Twitter thing and then tweets like three times and, and his tweets are all like, 
Hello, am I doing this right? Enters his Google searches in the Twitter bar. <laughs> um, so actually, my dad talks about his blogging a lot. And what his mm-hmm. blogging is, is leaving comments on, like, you know, <laughs> other websites. And I just don't have the heart to tell him the difference. Um, yeah. So basically what you're getting from Terry is your dad. <laughs> well, Terry's going to go out there. A little younger. But yeah, yeah actually, like, too. what's important to talk about Terry, uh, is a good observation. This season is very diverse. Not necessarily in the term diverse that we use in other walks of life, although a little bit there. There are a lot of different types. You know, the, the internet didn't just get one kind of type. And I think a lot of that is because Survivor did the work early in only allowing certain people or choosing, mm-hmm. right? So again, they right. had their olds, they had their youngs, they had their strategists, they had their challenge beasts. But even the fans, we've got a bunch of different kinds of players. It's not just going to be a bunch of game bots. It's not going to be a bunch of dunderheads. It's going to be a mix, and that mix is so important. It is. It'll be interesting to see what Terry does in that mix, because he's not. I don't think he's going out right away. Why would you vote out Terry right away? Right. Well, I, it's funny that you mentioned the diversity thing, because actual diversity in the way that you normally think of it, this cast is surprisingly diverse. Like, a third of the cast is people of color. There you go. Yeah, I think for Survivor that counts, right? That's insane. I mean, for I mean, that's for non-race war seasons. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, we've got Jeremy, Tasha, Wu, PG, uh, Monica, Abby, Maria, Shireen, Shireen. Way to go, fans! Way to go, Survivor! I know. Good job, America. No, and that wasn't by voting in every minority too. There were some that did not get voted in. So, and that, actually, that uh, we will talk about somebody there that um, uh, later that. Factors into something. Um, but yeah, Terry, do you think he can win though? No, I put him in long shots. Um, the circumstances for Terry winning are pretty unlikely. Yeah, it's hard. I'm, it's hard because he can't beast it like he did before. No. I can't imagine. No. Uh, he's so much older and there are other people here that are strong. And then, you know, why he would have won Panama is because it was, yeah, he was up against weirdos and <laughs> the, the Kasaya tire fire. Yeah, and he got to out. He didn't have to be strategist, so the and most of his tribe was there. I don't think a group of nine, seven. We'll see what the jury is of these people. Would be like, yeah, that's what I think Survivor is now. Terry Dietz winning a bunch of stuff and being above it all. Right. So I think it would be pretty tough unless he somehow finds that game that we don't think he has or. Really want him to have. Yeah. Speaking of someone with no game. Mm, good transition. Let's talk about Wu. Uh, I guess we have to. Do we want to want to make a simultaneous prediction here on his odds of winning this season? Zero point zero. Exactly. I tweeted this, and I wasn't just making a joke. I meant it. Every time I watch one of the combo videos, uh, or uh, often the Dalton Rosses, I think there might be, and CBS has them, where eventually the video always gets to a part where Wu talks, and I'm like, oh yeah, he's on this season. Literally, I forget it all the time. Like, I know if I stop to think, I'd be like, oh yeah, Wu, but I'm not even surprised. Like, I, when they looked at the list, it's like, yeah, we'll, pr- we're definitely going to get at least one of Wu or Keys, mm-hmm. probably both, but he's the biggest misfit of everybody, because like, do you think he's even aware that this is different? No. And again, the analogs thing you already mentioned, he is the analog to Keith, which is kind of funny because that's a very old Southern man, the analog to a very young Asian Californian. Yeah. And 
I'd rather have Keith, you know? Oh my god, far and away. <laughs> Keith is going to be fun. Woo, Woo is a nice, like a nice goat for other people to work with, people yes. we like more. Yeah, I want to say again, like, thank you so much, Woo, for saving Kagayan and bringing oh, yeah. Tony to the end. Who has contributed already to the yeah, Annals of Survivor by ensuring the right winner for that season. But get out of here with Wu. I know. Yeah, if you're the type that's rooting for Wu to win, you're probably not listening to our podcast anyway. I mean, I think he had a couple fans amongst our fans. And, you know, we like you people. But it's just like there's nothing about this guy that interests me. And if he becomes Purple Wu this season, that's great. Hey, speaking of purple edits... Let's talk about a Purple Kelly that we might have this season. And I'm going to go ahead and call it, I think she will be the Purple Kelly of this Aww. season. Kelly Wigglesworth. Is Has there ever been anyone more perfectly suited for the Purple Kelly edit? Has anyone ever gunned for it? I feel like she's doing that. Yeah, she's going to like try to camouflage herself. She's going to be like Buster Bluth, just trying to be not seen nor heard. <laughs> I got to say... I've loved the Kelly Wigglesworth experience so far from like an avant-garde perspective. <laughs> Cause she could not be more dispassionate or uninterested in what's going on. And it's fantastic. Yes. All of you who are listening to this show are obviously very big fans of Survivor. She is the exact antithesis of you. <laughs> not only, so yeah, she's totally, you know, apathetic. But she still, like, participated, right? Like, she still did interviews and stuff. And I don't just mean the ones that, like, on set they kind of had to do. She did an interview with us, you know, uh, again, through email. Yeah. But she was willing to actually do a phone one. She did one with Rob. It's just she couldn't care less when she's there. <laughs> like, Rob did all these interviews, and they were, like, 50 minutes long. Hers was 15. Ours, uh, Emma sent it to me, and I'm like, that's it? If only we could have let you guys see behind the editing curtain for that one. So fun. We honestly didn't do much because there wasn't much to work with. It's like, I can't do much with this play. It's already hardened. Like, there were so many just one-word answers. It's like, seriously, why did you say yes? We're not that big a show. Uh, and you probably don't need it. You're going to get voted in. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't smile ever, and it's phenomenal. The cast picture, the one that was widely released of them all cheering on stage was just comedy gold. She's sitting up in the corner and could not look less interested. But she's busting out the biggest yawn. <laughs> I'm worried that there's going to be drool spitting out. And, like, honestly, I love that so much. And there's other funny things about that. If we hadn't done 30 for 30, I kept bouncing around in my head of, like, doing a, like a, a post that was just a breakdown of that photo. And basically, it would all just be working up to the punchline of Kelly F. and Wigglesworth, just like, nah. Well, everybody else was like, yeah, woohoo, funny face, look at me at my personality. And she's like, uh. And, I mean, this isn't kosher to talk about, but I'm going to put it in there anyway. No oh, um, boy. Who is this person that's claiming to be, well, Kelly's Wigglesworth, and what happened to her face? <laughs> All right, my far more kosher prediction is that you will forget that she's even on this season by episode three. You're going to see her walking around in the background. She's going to be like Brett in Samoa. You're going to be like, oh, I remember her. Wasn't she on Borneo or something? I don't think she's going anywhere either because she's useful and not dangerous, you know? Um, is she useful? Uh, she was athletic last time we saw her. I imagine she still is. She does yoga and all of that. You say she's athletic. You recently rewatched Borneo. 
How athletic were those challenges? Oh, no, I'm not talking about the, the, those challenges. I'm talking, like, within the athletic portions of, especially the team challenges. She was a contributor. But, yeah, the idea of, like, uh, to the point you're setting me up for, Kelly Wigglesworth Challenge Beast, those challenges were so effing lame back then. They I were. Mean, she won them, but it took a long time before there was any one of them that resembled something that you'd see now. And Richard won that one. The one where they had to construct a fire and bring buckets of water or whatever. Right. But other than that, it was like, hey, shoot a thing, uh, flip a thing. It was so lame. Even the team challenges, there literally was one where it was the tribes were, I think, like five to five. And they set it up so only two people did it. What is that? The other people just sat there. And I'm not saying that, like, uh, you know, now people get to sit out when there was an imbalance. No, they just set it up for four people to go at it. Or I think it was six people. And, like, go at it meant, like, blow a bo- blow dart once. So much of it was, like, row a boat out here and then back. And she lost that one. So, yeah, I, she's not, she wasn't a beast in the way that Terry was a beast. Or you know, even the way that Keith is a beast with games with balls. But I think she is a fit person. She does yoga professionally. Like, I think she would be useful in a way that she would not be detrimental and, like, why would you be afraid of the person that doesn't talk? Unless you worry that her not talking is because she's scheming. I think if you saw any of her pregame press, you know that that's not the case. I hope there is a confessional where they're all like, get a little Wigglesworth. I hope she never smiles. It will ruin it all. <laughs> but she can't win. Speaking of Kellys that actually could be challenge beasts, let's talk about uh, hashtag beast mode Wentworth. Because she is next on your list. Well, it's a great juxtaposition. And I love that they put them both on the same tribe just to troll them. Kelly W. and Kelly W. I'm excited for Kelly Wentworth. I actually, when her terrible, terrible season was over, I had her listed as like, yeah, I think there's somebody she could come back. And my basic point of that season always was, it sucked because the people that might have been good were gone early. Uh, so I'm hoping that she is good. Yeah, she really didn't have a chance to get a narrative last time. So if there's anything there, we don't know it. I think, though, that having gone out so early is going to help her a lot. Yep. And I'm listing her as a favorite just because of that. Mm-hmm. We haven't really touched on it. We've kind of hinted around it. But the fact that there are some of these people that are coming back that are huge stars, they're going to be targets because they're huge stars. People care about getting TV time. Sierra explicitly said it in one of the pregame videos. Like, I want Joe gone because he's going to steal camera time. Well, people are going to be far less worried about Kelly Wentworth stealing their camera time. And if she goes far enough into the game, she's going to get a lot of it. And I think she's a favorite. She's probably a lock for top five just because she can coast for so long and no one's going to think that she's a target. Yeah, like, I don't know why you would ever target her unless pregame alliances have been so strong and there's one that she's not a part of. Or, if it happens to her again, that she gets screwed by a swap. Because there's going to be a swap. I wouldn't be surprised if there's two. The show, honestly, would not be doing its job if they don't have a swap. Right. So, that could happen. But other than that, you know, she's... Yeah, as you say, she's not threatening to your fame. She's not threatening much at all. Nobody knows anything about her. And she's... a reasonable person that seems to convert, be able to converse with a lot of people. So I don't know what, how long it would take until she would be a primary threat. Right. So basically, she's a nice person. She's not going to offend people. Mm-hmm. And the really, the only reason you'd take her out is if she was on the outside of your alliance. And at that point, you're going to take out bigger threats that are outside of your alliance anyway. Yeah, she could be a Danny Boatwright type. Right, exactly. 
here's one thing though, because I think a lot of people at this point, because she's a very uh, internet friendly. Uh, she also did an interview on our site. It was delightful. Oh, wow. Yeah, the two Kelly W interviews that our friend Emma did. This one was very funny. The other one existed. Yeah, and I try not to let that bias me, but you know what? It does. And uh, we said it with the Shireen thing. Like, I'm super biased there. I like her a whole lot. I like Kelly. I'm rooting for her. She seems really nice. Yeah, I just want, like, I feel like, you know, there's a lot of internet anticipation, and I, I mean, again, I drummed this up at the end of her season that I think there's more there, and there was a little hints in that, and some of that is just because I had her on my fantasy team, so I was, like, looking for anything, which is one of the reasons why I don't play Survivor Fantasy anymore, I'm trying to, trying to, like, trying to prop up people that I just kind of had to trap, but it's also possible that maybe her, like, natural tendency is what we saw. On San Juan del Sur. Yeah, she's going to come in. I'm going to be more aggressive. I'm going to do this. I'm going to show them more. It'll be nice to play with people that aren't afraid of knowledge of Survivor. Um, but maybe her natural tendency is to kind of step back a bit. And that could be what hurts her. Or, conversely... I was going to say that could be what helps her. Well, I mean, yeah, obviously I could help her. But I could, like, uh, step back so far that she's not a true contender, right? Right. I do have a feeling that you can fly under the radar this season to get to a certain point. But you can't fly under the radar all the way to the jury and win no. this season. And I think that's actually what pays off for her is because she can fly under the radar until final 10 or even the merge, whatever it might be. And then at that point, then she can start making moves. And if she makes a few moves, the, the right moves here and there, she could get the final three easily. My worry about her and other people who basically felt like they didn't do enough in their own season, um, I think Monica would be her... Probably her counterpart. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, they really did split these tribes up great. Yeah, they did. Is playing too hard too fast at the beginning. Yeah, it's like, ah, oh, I'm going to show them. I have game. I have, I promised it to everybody. I'm going to do stuff because I was barely on TV. Um, that, and Caramon basically you saw this with Andrea, who's always wanted to do more because she didn't want to just be known as one of Rob Zombies. She was actually ended up being a good player and had a shot at winning that, so it could work out. But she almost got voted out the first episode, too. Um, yep. If everybody didn't think it would just be too funny to vote out Francesca again. But all that said, um, yeah, I think she's got a shot to win at this. She is yep. a contender. Yep. She's one of five that I listed as a favorite. So, actually, hey, next person on our list is also someone that I'm listing as a favorite. PG, partly again. I admit to my biases. I own up to them. So for all of you that say that I'm super biased and I'm stumping for these players, yes, I am. <laughs> I like PG a lot. And again, I think it helps that PG doesn't have any built-in ties to these other people. She's from an earlier season, so people have time to have forgotten her. She wasn't in the dominant alliance that season, so she's not going to have a huge target on her back. She seems very nice. She's very, well, you know, I say that. <laughs> Maybe not. So she's very funny. Um, she can be very sarcastic and in her own words, bitchy. Hopefully though, she is older and wiser and definitely, and she will have matured and in an all star season, you're going to get targeted for a lot of other reasons. So as long as you don't point the target at yourself, you'll probably be fine. Yeah, I, it's really tough to put a finger on PG. It's been so long. <laughs> phrasing. <laughs> Are we still doing phrasing? No. Um, it's been so long that who knows who PG Law is right now, right? She was in her 20s, and people in their 20s are awful. Uh, she is not now. She's at right at the tail end of peak age of Survivor player. 
I think she's like in the exact middle of ages of this season. Yep. Which should be an advantage. Uh, she could negotiate between different groups because, as we've said many times in the past, the dominant division in Survivor is not male female. It's young old. Young people flock to each other, and old people flock to each other to complain about young people. Shout out to the other olds. <laughs> That's right. I'd be in that group. <laughs> I'd be in PG's group, right? Yeah, me too. Um, if she is Survivor PG, she's got no chance. Uh, if she is older, wiser, calmer, and there's no reason to think that she couldn't be, because again, that, those 10 years matter a lot. You kind of start to calm down and not worry about people so much. Then yeah, she could have a chance. I think her, her the big threat against her is she is probably one of the weaker people physically. But I, I think that's not going to matter. I think, and, and this is fingers crossed because this would be amazing. I can see this season playing out more like a Pearl Islands. You get rid of all the big, strong, potential immunity beasts. And then what's left is just the meek, basically. And they're going to inherit the game. I don't know if I'd like that. Because you also just described Vanuatu, and I hate that scene. Oh. No, no, no. That's why I put the image of Pearl Islands in your head. <laughs> but, uh, no, that, I mean, that certainly can happen. I do think there's going to be a lot of targeting of strong. And I also think because we think there'll be a swap. I imagine most of them figure there to be a swap. Mm-hmm. Tribe strength will be less important. Yeah. But maybe post first swap, maybe be like, you know, winning challenges ain't so bad because the only way to guarantee your survival in there is to never go to tribal council. So that could be, become a problem. We'll have to see how being a smaller near 40 woman does for her amongst this cast. She's mid thirties, Andy. No, nah, isn't that close to 40? Mm. No. <laughs> No, no, let's say no. <laughs> let's, yeah, really not. Not at all. <laughs> not um, even close. So I, 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 so those are the two things we have to watch for. Is she, it, once the hunger and everything sets in, is she going to be China PG again? Or, yeah, cause I'm sure she told herself a hundred times not to be that person. But if she isn't, if she has matured and changed, that change in perception could do her wonders. Cause that's happened in returning seasons before. Man, I thought you were this, but you're actually not. And then people like you. And speaking of liking people, man, I'm killing it with the transitions tonight. I have done a complete 180 on this last person as well. I actually kind of liked Fetus in Blood vs. Water. We've known he was coming back ever since that season. But something about him ever since Blood vs. Water has aired just rubs me the wrong way. He's just been very... I haven't liked him. I know a lot of other people have. You actually cast him when we were doing our fan casting for a second chance season. He just gives off a vibe that I don't like. Uh, I haven't really liked his stuff that he's done on Rob Has a Podcast. He hasn't really been all that entertaining on Twitter, which matters to me. And some of the stuff that I actually saw in the pregame videos... I feel like they're thinking the same thing. Like, Vetus apparently said to somebody, oh, I'm just out here to have fun. Like, you're not fooling anybody with that. I don't think he's fooling anyone. I still don't know if that will matter. I think, you know, pregame, when you're barely talking to anybody and all of that, you can be like, ah, that guy gives me a little bit of a vibe. I'll be interested once they actually have to interact with Vetus, whether they can be won over or not. Because, as I say... Everybody has this opinion. They're going to be like this. They're not going to be the person that does this. But after a while, Survivor kind of imposes its will on you. And if he has a stronger personality and a bunch of people don't want to be the strong personality, he could actually take control while people are just pretending that he takes control. Uh, I think what you're picking up that you might not like is arrogance. It's it's not even arrogance. It's more like a 
Bill Maher's smugness. And there might be some smugness, too. Um, this might not shock you to learn. Uh, arrogance and smugness don't really bother me. Well, arrogance certainly doesn't bother either of us. But it really doesn't. And, and you know, if people are like, oh, that Vetus, he's sure full of himself. I would say, yeah, 100% he is. I like that. Uh, there's uh, a lot of people have a feeling, not just in Survivor, uh, in sports and all of that, that they don't like the arrogant person. I'm hoping that's not a lot of our audience because I don't know why they would continue to listen. <laughs> exactly. Um, I don't. I And maybe it's because I don't see myself as a loser. Uh, I see myself as a winner, even though, yeah. There's a lot of evidence against that. Uh, so I like it when people are supremely confident. I like it when they are cocky. Uh, you just need to look at some of my favorite players. You know that. So I think Vetus is a huge target. Um, there's been people saying it. Maybe it's a mixture of your feeling. Shireen is one of those people, which might speak to why you have a feeling against Vetus. And that is a valid point, because I did see that on the video, but I'd already come you to that. You came to that opinion independently, and I have no problem believing Certainly did reinforce it, though, to see that Shireen found the same thing. It's like, that's why you guys are team. Yeah, and Shireen mentioned Vetus as the person she would target first. Uh, and she's just answering questions. That doesn't worry me. I don't think Shireen gets to decide who the first person voted out of is, and maybe some of those other people. He could certainly be the first person, because I believe he gives that vibe to more people. I also feel like he's somebody who's pretending not to pregame at all, who has probably done crazy pregaming. Yes, and I think that's pretty off-putting to other people as well. Like, yeah. we all know you did. Just lay it out there. Who cares? Because the Buskowskis brothers are pretty well-connected in the Survivor community. Yep. It's uh, probably why they were on the season that they were on. Uh, and that was true of Vetus before he was actually even on Survivor. However, I, as I said, once the game starts, everybody can say, oh, I'm not going to let Vetus take control. I'm not going to let Vetus take control. Sometimes the person who wants control actually gets to take control. Because nobody else wants it. Uh, we saw that in Kagiyan, where it's like, with Tony, uh, you can't play that aggressively uh, and win. And it turns out, no, if, as long as he was always pushing and everybody was just like, oh, no, no, I want to take a step back. They never got to catch up. So I, I think he could win. Oh. And honestly, if this was a season where a player like Vitas, who is, you know, a little smug, um, thinking of things strategically and um, psychologically and was able to take control and win, I think I'd probably enjoy it a lot. I'd enjoy it a lot more than the scenario rolled out before where the meek inherit the earth. That sounds terrible. I'm going to say Vetus is a long shot. I don't see it. He gives off a vibe, and I'm sure other people are picking it up too. But here's the thing. It's, if you give off that vibe to start with, and then you win people over, that works so well. Because you don't think Tyson gives off a vibe? Yeah, but I think Tyson's is couched in a sense of humor. Vetus's is not. I will say this. Vetus is not a funny man. No. Uh, I think Vetus thinks he is a funny man, though, which should appeal to us because, you know, we can smell our own. But I, I, I don't see it with him. I think it's a really long shot. He would have to be up against some bad players in the jury and, or I'm sorry, in the final two, final three. And I would say imagine Vetus is somebody who would work to make that happen. I worked through a bunch of iterations of this season in my head and we'll, We'll get to uh, another player later on that I went through millions of iterations in my head trying to figure out scenarios for that person. And uh, with Vetus, I did probably just as many, and I just I couldn't see it. Well, yeah, my basic stance is if this is a season that an alpha dog can, you know, take over a bit, I will enjoy that more than a bunch of people like, oh, I'm scared of alpha dogs, and then, you know, somebody runs up the middle to the end. That's... Vetus is not Tony. Oh, no, no, he's not, but he's watched Tony. And he had good things to say about Tony. I think he learned about how Survivor can work in today's day and age. 
And I think there are people that he can work with here. We'll see. You know, that uh, that conference call alliance that he had. All right, so uh that's that tribe. Let's talk about the other tribe. Yeah, let's go to the other beach, the Bayonne tribe. And for some reason, you wanted to discuss Tasha first for this tribe, so I'll let you talk about her. We don't like her. What? That's why I wanted to start with her. Okay. So, yes, personally, I am not a big Tasha fan, but I'm going to say that she's a favorite for this season. I don't see it. I hesitated on this because I personally am not a fan, but, again, I was basically biasing myself based on the previous all-returnee seasons where there was more under-the-radar females. She's not necessarily that. She's a little bit more out there. You can see that she's physically imposing. She wins challenges. She's certainly not shy, but... I can see a scenario where people aren't targeting her and then it gets to the end and she wins a few immunities and there she is in final three. Here's my big prediction. Tasha is the first person eliminated from this season. Whoa. I know we're going to do predictions at the end, but what else am I going to talk about for Tasha? Okay. Uh, I think she's a huge target. Really? Yes. More so than the other people on this season. Again, I, I think part of it is shine matters and I don't think she's got that. Uh, well, it's a recent thing, so there's a lot of people that are worried about the recency. It's the Kageon 4. People are really scared about the Kageon 4. So if you're going to take a, a hit out of that, uh, on this site, on this tribe, it's Tasha or Cass. Cass seems like a really obvious first boot. Mm-hmm. So much so that I don't think they'll do it. I think they'll use her as the distraction to take care of somebody that actually is threatening to people. Cass is threatening to people because, you know, she could screw up your plans. Yeah. Tasha's threatening because of the Kageon 4, because she's a challenge beast, because she is such a big personality. I don't think she's somebody that will go with the flow. And she wasn't her first season. Now, I mean, obviously, it was idiotic what her trimate was trying to do, um, Garrett. But she was right out in front, no, we're going to do this. And, like, she always was clashing. She does. She had never demonstrated to me in Kageon or since that she has the social skills necessary to go with the flow in this game. She might have the skills to be an alpha. Sadly, Survivor isn't a game that typically allows a woman to be an alpha. And I think it's day three, and they're looking around, and, you know, they're worried about Kageon. Tasha, and they're, they're looking to get that hit under their belt, cause that's the other thing I think is gonna happen. Everybody wants to make a move right away. You know, voting out the, voting out cast that everybody assumed before they even got there. This is the first vote. Right. That's not fun. That's not exciting. That's not what they waited 15 years to do. Is there anybody on this one that waited 15 years? Yes. Kelly. Uh, Kim. Kimmy. Oh. Kelly's not on this tribe. Oh, other tribe. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I think it's good. I think Tasha has a very good chance. And I think part of it will be that, uh, Castle sell her down the river so fast. Well, that will definitely happen. I don't doubt that in the least. And if there's kind of two different alliances or a few different alliances going head to head, Cass will, you know, be a free agent to all of them, whereas Tasha will be trying to lead her own. Um, why I don't like her? I never really liked her in Kageon. Uh, she, she didn't interest me that much. I will say I voted for her every time. Some of that spoke to the weakness of the female ballot. Some of it's like, yeah, no, sure, she deserves another shot. She was, I loved the Kageon. Yep. She was a, a winner, although challenge winning isn't that interesting to me. Right. But there was something so conventional in her approach. So basically, Survivor has to be played like this. You have to do this. You have to do that. Meanwhile, you know, part of that convention was keeping away, like, a, the biggest albatross in history. Uh, I got to keep Jatia because I like losing and not eating. 
but she just seems so conventional in the way that you have to do it this way, you can't do it that way. And I don't think that'll be interesting, people. And I think she'll be very headstrong, and so her her partners won't be that solid, and her attackers will be. I will strongly disagree with you that she's a first boot, but I will say you made a strong argument, and I'm less confident that she's one of the favorites. But still, she was at the tail end of my favorites. Well, I think basically for Tasha to do well, she needs to be able to lead. She just never gave me the vibe from her Kageon season premiere video on of a follower. It was one of the reasons why we knew that tribe would be a disaster. Yes. Um, and I don't know that she could be a leader unless she survives a swap and it's combined in a much different way. But amongst this group, like, is Savage falling in line behind her? Well, that's so perfect that you mentioned Savage and leadership. Cause that's the next person on our list. He is the next person on our list. I'm going to say Savage is a huge long shot. I can actually see a range where Savage is going to go. And it tops out at 7th place and bottoms out around 13th place. Like, I don't know where exactly, but he'll be somewhere in there. He's not going to win. He's not going to be a really early boot. What Savage needs most is what's not going to happen. And that's to have no swap. Because he's in a great spot with this tribe. And it's not going to last. I wouldn't be surprised if, like, episode three, there's a swap. Well, it's funny that you say that uh, he's in a great spot with this tribe because one of the things that we saw in the preseason videos is they ask, who's your first boot? Fishbach, with zero hesitation, says Savage. And Savage, with zero hesitation, says Fishbach. That makes me suspect that they had planned for that question and there actually is something going on there. They're working together. That's... Uh, certainly a way of thinking, and it's weird that they would, you know, keep kayfabe going for the <laughs> interviews that the players will never see, but maybe it's like, you gotta believe your own lie to beat the lie detector. Uh, I can also see it just that they are such different players, but maybe again, that's why they form a bond so that nobody would ever suspect it. But yeah, like, like, is Keith going after Savage? <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> is Keith going after anybody? I know. Jeremy, I think, wants to play behind somebody like Savage. That's what he said many times. Um, yeah. Joe needs somebody like Savage around. From our interview with her, Cass has the hots for somebody like Savage. <laughs> Who can blame her, man? Savage has held up well. If you haven't caught any of those, I, I mean, I was in it, so this is really biased, but I thought the Cass one was lots of fun. Mostly because of her. Uh, she was very candid and funny, um, of our pregame interviews. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, Kimmy, like, I think Savage is set up really well here, and it, I, who knows how it'll continue. Uh, maybe he can s- join Varner and Terry's old man alliance on the other side. But after that, we'll have to see if that old dog has learned some new tricks. He's a smart man. He could. He is. I will give him that. He has. Oh, and we should have note that you and our friend Matt did an interview with Savage. And I yes, we did. It was illuminating. And, you know, Matt, of course, Savage is one of his favorite players ever, so Matt was instantly just smitten to the point that I was like, I don't know if Matt's going to actually talk in this interview at all. There were times when he wasn't. Yeah. And Savage is, he's very well-spoken. It very much felt like uh talking to, I'm trying to think of a, a good, like say you're a young NBA player and someone, not Kobe, but someone comes in and talks to you and is passing down wisdom. You feel like, Savage just knows what he's talking about. He just gives off this vibe. He's very confident. Uh, he's very earnest. 
He was personable. He called you guys by name, and you guys are nobodies. <laughs> exactly. He had no reason to do that. He had no reason to talk to us at all, really. But uh, he was he was great. He was very nice. He was very charming. He demonstrated some level of humility for his own mistakes in uh, Amazon. You mean Pearl Islands, by the way. Pearl. Why do I keep messing those two up? I swear, those two seasons I've mixed up like a hundred times this off season. At least they're back to back. You can blame it. Yeah, on. that's. I imagine that's it. Um. There's some people that don't like Savage because he was arrogant. He was dismissive of the people that were beneath him. Skinny Ryan and Sad Lil. Um, <laughs> Shout out to Sad Lil. Again, going back to this, arrogance doesn't bother me. So that's not a problem. And that's my thinking too, is that it, it doesn't bother me. I think he's got near zero shot to win, but it's not zero. See, I think his that level, that thing we're talking about, that charisma he has could win people over in spite of themselves. Again, everybody in the pregame says, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. But somehow it turns out that almost every Survivor season, people are won over by the more charismatic figure. You know, <laughs> Some of these people who came in here to be the gamer and be that are going to be goats who follow somebody else because that's what makes them comfortable. That's what they enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. Savage could be that leader. I'm, you know, So I'm not ruling him out. Um, he'll need to have shown us something that we don't know of yet. That's going to be true of whoever wins this season. And we should put that down. Well, all we can speak to is past performance and interviews and all of that. But I'm fully prepared for half of these people to be very different than they were before. And some in good ways and some in very bad ways. All right. So any more to say about Savage before we move on? Just, you know, we're on board Team Savage. And yeah. we're going to fully admit that, yeah, yeah, he is arrogant. And he will continue to be arrogant. You know why he always he's arrogant? Because he's an accomplished man. Yes, he's a very successful and smart guy. He has reasons to be arrogant. Yeah, so, you know, being confident in oneself is cool. And, I mean, I'm not looking for a new dad. I'm looking for somebody <laughs> on TV. And if, you know, he's a confident guy who can do well at this field and television and gameplay. Then I'm all for that because, you know, you get preseason favorites and you've changed your opinion because, you know, Dan was one of them. Um, oh, God. I don't really, uh, when it comes to Survivor nowadays, I'm a front runner. It's just basically who's doing well. That's the person I'm cheering for. And that's not an admirable trait in like sports fandom, but in Survivor, it's like, well, all I have to go on is what's happening. Tell me more about that, Laker fan. It's the one. If I told you my <laughs> other three sports fa- fandoms, you'd be like, you poor bastard. Um, <laughs> All I, what I like seeing in Survivor is excellence. So whoever is demonstrating that, that's the person I'm cheering for because I don't like seeing people just fumble their way into victories or success. So yeah, that's where I'm at. And if that's Savage this season, then I'll be cheering for Savage. And at the end, if it's Tasha even, then I'll be like, hey, you go. Good. I was wrong and I, you're doing awesome. Now, if it's somebody that just kind of stumbles around up the middle and wins like Jenna Maraska as an example... Then I might be like, eh, what a dud. But that's not going to happen this season. All right. So let's finally move on to Joe. I'm going to tell you right now, Joe has no chance of winning this season. Not at all. I've constructed scenarios for him to go farther than expected, but I can't see how he would win. Because if he is going far and doing well, the things you need to do to win, he becomes his own first enemy at that point. But I don't even know if he'll get to that. No. I will say the scenario is basically he needs to get on with some non-challenge dominant uh, alpha males, like, say, Andrew Savage, and then people like Wu or Keith, and then maybe a couple ladies that want to hide behind him, or those guys, until it's time to strike. At the end, at a certain point, Joe's going to get taken out. Yeah, I think 
if you simulate this season a thousand times, Joe will still never be a winner even once. In the thousand, one of those times he wins all the immunities, I imagine. But that's about it. Yeah, exactly. So Sierra was very upfront about the fact that she's targeting or she wants to target him first because he's athletic and he's pretty and he steals camera time. And she's right. She actually verbalizes it, but all the other people are thinking that. Every last one of them. You do not want him going to the end. Not even necessarily because he's like so amazing and charming or whatever. You just, you don't want him around that long. You don't, you're not going to need challenge strength. Uh, I mean, look at this cast. They're not, you know, in general challenge beasts. Uh, and the ones that are generally past their prime. Joe is in his prime. There's very little reason to keep him around. And again, camera time matters to these people. Joe's going to get camera time because Joe is pretty. So Joe's going home, I think, very early because of that. So this is too soon for Joe. People just finished seeing a lot of him. Like, uh, more importantly, they finished seeing the uh, rabid response to Joe amongst a good segment of the audience. And uh, what I was getting at a bit with Spencer is even worse with Joe. There's, I think, a resentment that Joe did nothing to get here because mm-hmm. he had to do because he didn't have to. All Joe could have done is hurt his chances. Exactly. Uh, so, and you know, maybe we can give him some level of credit that he knew that. Or maybe it's something as simple as like, I'm still trying to get back to some of my life here. Uh, he needed a few years off and then maybe he would have had a shot at it. Problem is a few years off. Well, for one, you take the chances when they come. Right. And for two, a few years off, maybe, um, three more Joes come along and he's not that interested. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing that Joe could have benefited from is if nobody saw this season, if he could have come in like Malcolm. Yep. Then he would have had a shot. And it's just saying in his interviews, it's like, he's just happy to be there. But not in the way that, like, yeah, like a Varner is happy to be there. Like, right. Varner is overjoyed to be there. Yeah, Joe is just kind of like, hey, this is cool, man. And I, I think people would be like, man, screw you, man. <laughs> I've wanted this my uh, large portion of my life. Right. Yeah, I, I think he'll be an early target. Uh, the only thing that keeps him necessarily being an early target is just how useful he is. If you're a tribe that doesn't want to go to tribal council, Joe is going to be helpful in that area. Not that he was in his own season, but... You know, pair him with some other people. He is both athletic and he's good at puzzles. So he's very useful for challenges. It might be much more of an Aussie type scenario where he's much more useful at challenges when they only benefit him personally. Yes. Because Aussie's tribes have lost a fair amount in the past. Um, Joe will go early and, you know, I, I voted for Joe. I was fine to see him come back, but I don't really care if he stays or goes either. Nope. You know, it's just like whatever, Joe. You'll, I'm, Sure, you might be invited back. Although I suppose if he's one of the first three, they've been like, maybe you should have said thanks, but no thanks this time, Joe. Well, let's move on to someone who we should probably have some interesting opinions about. I'm, I'm just guessing. I haven't even seen yours yet, but Steven Fishbach, it's been since Token Teens that we saw him. Obviously, he is a fellow Survivor podcaster. Uh, he's on Survivor Know-It-Alls with Rob Sesternino. And pretty much everyone in this cast knows that. I think there's probably one or two that don't. But what are your thoughts on Steven? I have no idea. I cannot peg how it's going to go with Steven. I, the sense I'm getting uh, is that people are worried about him. They're, they're afraid of him in some way, that they think he's really strategic. Mm-hmm. And that's dangerous for them. Because, you know, I mean, he talks about Survivor every week. He writes about it a little bit. Uh, but... If you really listen to Stephen's, you know, discussions and his strategy, 
it's usually just stick to your alliance, right? Yep. One very good example of what you were just talking about was with Steven's plans. When Tony flipped on LJ, Steven was pissed. He thought that was a terrible move. Couldn't understand it. That ru- ruined Tony's game. No way Tony's going to win now. He was very wrong. And I think that because he talks about strategy, we assume he knows a lot about strategy. I don't know that we've ever seen it. I mean, there was some happening in Token Teens. It's debatable as to how much was him versus how much was JT. And how much was just the other side imploding due to their own act. Right. I mean, we wanted to attribute it to Steven because he's a smart guy. So you assume that he must be the mastermind. But we don't really know. It's just like when we were assigning all this like uh, agency to Spencer in Kagayan. We just assume Spencer's a smart guy. They, he must be doing great. I kind of think that Steven's not going to make it very far in this game. Yeah, and like the other thought is like that Steven probably in Token Genes was like cast as the archetype of the the brainy strategic like fan. He right. was a recruit. He didn't even watch much Survivor then. Right. Uh, now I, I want to say like it almost sounds catty. Like we're insulting Fishbach. I like listening to him and Rob. I think often he can help steady Rob because Rob likes to get out, you know, go out a bit farther. But yeah, almost always Fishbach's default position is demonstrate loyalty and stick to your alliance. So if you know that of him, he's a perfect alliance partner. But I feel the the impression I keep getting is just like that guy's going to be you know dangerous. Can't trust him. He's so he's so strategic. That's on him. And I don't know if he knows strategy any more because he talks about it every week than people who watch it. I mean, I talk about it every week, but I'm a friggin' genius at this stuff. But like, right. is, is he really more prepped on Survivor than like Jeremy is? Somebody who's watched every season multiple times and like taken notes while doing so. I mean, his people blogs aren't that detailed, you know. Or many words. Um, so much shade. Like, I like Fishbuck. I know, that was more shade, wasn't it? But it's more like, just to kind of prove the point that he's not as dangerous as I think people are saying. Also, in his favor, yes, he's the brainy one. I mean, he wears glasses, John. Um, <laughs> the hallmark of those who are brainy. He's fairly athletic, so... What? For a nerd. For a nerd, oh, okay. John. You really need to throw that qualifier in there. No, no, you're right. That was good. Like, like you're fairly athletic for a nerd. Kind of like that. Yeah, exactly. I am not those <laughs> things uh, anymore. So he could, they might have this one perception of him that he's devious and not very contributing. And then he goes out there and holds his own in a team challenge. And people get to see under the veil. It's like, oh, well, he's not that devious. So that could help him do well. But I agree. He has a huge target on him for reasons that aren't really accurate to the way I perceive reality. You know what's funny? They're they're basically assigning Rob Sesternino's traits to Steven just because they talk to each other. <laughs> That's exactly it. That's exactly what's happening. But yeah, he's always plays the devil's advocate to Rob's sneakiness. So yep. and yeah, you know, to Fishbox credit, you brought up the Tony thing, right? Yep. He came around on Tony faster than Rob did at the end. Now some of that is probably out of fear because Tony was uh, so hilariously aggressive to him on Twitter. Uh <laughs> But at the end, he's like, Tony's amazing. And yeah, but I just, that said, I don't think Steven could ever beat Tony. No, I'm, I'm calling Steven a long shot. Like yeah, I said, I, I I, he's, he's got very little chance to win. Let's get to the next one. Cause I'm very excited to talk about this one. Cass. We're big Cass fans here. We have seen so many people suggest that Cass might be the very first boot of this season. Several players have 
in this season have suggested that she might be that first boot. People that didn't make this season that were in contention are probably like, Cass will be the first boot. This is not someone that I've done a complete change of opinion on because I found Cass entertaining in Kagayan. Even when she was extremely frustrating, I still loved it. And Cass has, if anything, only amplified that since Kagayan. She has gone full troll and I love it. Her troll game is so strong. Having said that, I ran through so many iterations. This is the person I was talking about. Just every possible scenario I could think of in my head. Like, okay, is there some way Cass could win? I really don't think she's going to be the first boot. I think she does actually get a little farther than that. I don't know how far. But I think at a certain point, though, and maybe that point is around 10, she's not getting that far. There's no one that's going to take her that deep into the game. Yeah, I don't think she can win either. I'm not crazy or anything like that. Like, that's not even a victory, I think, for Cass. I think victory for Cass is longevity. Because she has to do so much work to just uh fight the perception of Cass that it's hard to imagine she could work all the way through to vote for me. But I, I also don't think she will be the first boot. I mean, it's easy. And if everybody's just kind of like, hey, let's just get rid of the wild card, then it's absolutely her. But I just don't see the first vote going down like that. I mean, it's important to remember that Johnny Fairplay was only the first person voted out in Micronesia because he wanted to be. Everybody wanted to work with that guy, and he was worse than her. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think that might be where Cass ends up, you know? A bunch of people looking to play, going head-to-head, and it's like, what does voting out Cass get you other than peace of mind? Right. And I think the perception of Cass as the devil is so pervasive. She she helps that perception so herself. Much. Oh yeah, no, this is like I'm not saying it's like oh these people that really need to get to know Cass. Um, and I think she's also been very aggressive in pre gaming from everything I've heard. But that she has so little to do to like turn that perception around to just oh she isn't the worst person ever, and that just might be enough. For her to duck behind a few other people. This this is brilliant. You think she's intentionally setting the bar so low for herself that she can easily exceed expectations. She's been gaslighting them since she got off Kagiyan. I love this theory. This is great. And here's my other thought, and I wrote this to you. Um, no, I was trolling you a bit and who I wrote it in relation to, but there is a dearth of goats amongst this cast. Hmm. If you're somebody who wants to drag a goat, which is basically anybody who's played Survivor in the past six years, who are you going to take? There's some. There's Keith, the next person we're going to talk about. Um, there's Woo. Yep. But there's Cass and bright letters. As we all know, she's never going to win. She could never win. If you feel like she wouldn't completely blow up your plans, which, okay, that's a big, big if. Yeah, it is. Maybe it's not even worth finishing that sentence because nope. it's such a big F. But yeah, I do think that um people are going to want to take out a bigger target than Cass. I think they'll let that target and that target's people feel like, oh, of course it's Cass. Before we got on a bus, we thought it was Cass. Before we knew a tribe. I, I don't think it'll be Cass. And moreover, I hope it's not Cass. She has so much entertainment to deliver. Oh, uh, and plus the ongoing narrative of Cass versus Spencer is just, it's fun. I enjoy it so much. How amazing would it be if she took out Tasha again? And Spencer? Or just Tasha? Actually, both would be even better. You're it right. would be kind of funny, wouldn't it? It would be so fantastic. That, that would be victory. Remember I said that winning isn't possible? Yes. Yeah, she would go home to her small town and be like, yeah. Nailed it. And then 
troll so hard on Twitter. Oh. Just constant stunting all night long. Getting awesome. all of my favorites. <laughs> yes, and retweets. Hey, but speaking of going home to a small town, let's talk about someone who's from Keithville. Oh, Keith. Yeah, I mean, I didn't vote for Keith. Did you vote for Keith? I did not. Yeah, but it was always going to be Keith. And be funny, Keith. That's all I need. I did not want Keith on this season. I rolled my eyes so hard when he made it on. Same with Wu, and especially because, if not for one of those two, I feel like Shane makes this season, and that was the outcome I definitely wanted. So I, I blame Keith and Wu for that, even though it's not their fault in any way. I have since, after watching all of Keith's pregame stuff, totally come around on Keith. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. We're here. Let's make this happen. Keith is an entertaining train wreck, and on a season like this, especially after last season where there was just hardly any moments of levity, I'm fine with Keith being on. Like, I just, I need some, some good laughs. He'll give those, and then he'll go home, and it'll be great. And this is such an amazing juxtaposition, because all these people are talking about everybody, and like, oh, I studied all their seasons, or I've been watching forever, and Keith has no idea who most of these people are. He doesn't know who Fishbach is. <laughs> There's just Fish, Phoebe. Phoebe. He called P- PG Phoebe in possibly the great, and he was talking about first boots too, so god, I hope they go to tribal council first so that he can write down Phoebe on that name tag. Oh, they're not on the same tribe, so that's not gonna happen. But maybe he writes, maybe he wasn't even yeah, talking maybe about Maybe he PG. does it anyway, he never know. Maybe that's Kimmy to him, I don't know. If I ever replace you as my podcast sidekick, I'm gonna bring in Keith and rename our podcast Survivor Know It Nots. <laughs> No, I'm not going to do that, because then I have to explain Skype to Keith, and that's just not happening. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you imagine? Yeah. When we were, like, uh, making a list of people that we were going to try and interview, you know, during that period, and it was mm-hmm. really tough, there was a few people who was like, do you want to try and figure out work modern technology with this person? Nope. nope. Pass. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Keith was never on that list, but that would have been it. Uh, <laughs> I hope it can be funny. I hope it's something that the better players have to deal with. He should be a different element to this season. So, fine, Keith. Uh, would I have preferred Shane? Of course. Would I have preferred Max? Of course. But we're here, and I think he could contribute to a good season. Yeah. No chance of winning, though. Oh, God, no. He is in... Like, he could have won his season. Let's not, let's not get it twisted. It's not that Keith has no chance of winning Survivor ever, because some seasons are dumb. But he's not going to win with this cast. Yeah, not a chance. But partly because, you know, the whole Shine thing we talked about earlier... No one wants from this cast wants to say, yeah, I lost to Keith. Yeah, I didn't come out here and wait forever and hustle for like two weeks straight or trying to get boats while trying to get my life in order and all that to be on the season that Keith won. Exactly. Uh, and you know who especially doesn't feel that way? Tell me. Jeremy. Oh, we should talk about Jeremy. I think unless you've done, is he one of your 180 players? Probably not, right? Nope. Neither of us were that jazzed about Jeremy during his season. Uh, I will say like, it's like, well, amongst this cast, or if he wasn't dealing with these nitwits, he could have been better. At the same time, the level of anger that he had, which may be understanding and understandable, was not pleasant to watch. That said, I think Jeremy could win. Really? Yeah, because I don't think he's threatening, because I don't think anybody respects his season, right? (laughs) Uh, And from his own pregame interviews, he's been taking measures to make himself seem less threatening. And in that season, he was this big player, this big dominant 
personality because there was a bunch of duds. Here, I don't know if that's going to be him. And wouldn't it be interesting if a Jeremy could win this season? I mean, he'd have to be a lot better than what we saw before. So mm-hmm. if that Jeremy won, no. The answer is no. It would not be interesting. But if he becomes a better player, if he becomes more interesting, because, well, that's why I would say it. Black men don't get to lead and win Survivor seasons that aren't dominated by a lot of minorities. Mm-hmm. So if he could be a good player, and, like, he has all the tools. You know, they weren't as pronounced or as good as they tried to suggest in that season, because... Right. Again, you got to consider what they're comparing against in that season. But he's athletic, he's smart, he's strategic, he understands the value of social bonds. He probably wasn't as good at it, but he wasn't bad. So he's got the tools. Um, let's see if you can put them together. He's not a player I was ever super psyched about. I voted for him every time, but it wasn't like, yeah, Jeremy. It was just like, oh, sure, Jeremy. But if he could do well here, I think that'd be cool. And I think he could do well. Yeah, and it would be great to finally have um someone from the Boston area win something because they're so gracious whenever anybody from Boston wins something. And they never seem to get any breaks in Boston, you know? Oh, like, my God. It, it's so hard as a Boston sports fan. The whole world is against him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I call Jeremy a long shot. He is a physical threat. He's a fairly charming-ish guy. I mean, he doesn't have the overwhelming charm that some other players do. I just, I don't see anybody letting him last too far in this game. See, and well, that kind of speaks in your hesitation in each of those praise kind of show is why I think he has a shot. He is physical, but he's nowhere near the most physical of guy. He's in the top five, but he's not, oh, we gotta get that guy out. You know, you're worried about Joe, you're worried about Terry, you're worried about Savage. Even if some of those guys are old, just reputation-based, right? Yeah, I think I would be much more worried about Jeremy over Savage or Terry at this point. He was a you know, recent player, a fairly featured part of the cast, but he's not a big star player, like right. the way that Joe or Shireen even, or somebody like that. So or you're not Spencer. worried about over there. Spencer, absolutely. Yeah, he's kind of charming, but he's nowhere near as charming as some of these other people. He's smart, but not nearly as smart as all of those. Like, like he has all the tools, but not enough of any of them to be an immediate target. It'll just be a matter of how forceful he is with his own personality. And his own stated strategy is to get in with some alphas and let them be his meat shields. So it's like, I think he has the tools to be good enough to win, but not so much that he's an immediate threat. And that's why I think if he could be okay at a little bit, and then if he has more game in him than what we saw before, that could be enough. That's a weird strategy, by the way, right? For someone like Jeremy, who is also a very fit and potentially alpha male, to want to surround himself with others. It is, but I think it's the right one if you are a potential alpha, right? So many of them are so afraid, I gotta be the alpha. And right. I gotta attack the other guys. And then it's like, okay, cool, now you're the target, right? Um, like, that's why Tony didn't vote out Spencer and Tasha. It's not because, you know, he was crazy and flipping everywhere. It's not because they tricked him into a female alliance. It's because he knew that once they're gone, he's the target, so he needed them around. And I wouldn't be surprised if Jeremy listened to one of those interviews. Probably not ours, but still. And I think he hopefully will be calm, more calm. Flip side, maybe he'll just be boring again. It doesn't matter. Uh, speaking of boring, let's talk some Kimmy. I have one thing to say about Kimmy, and is that she will be Anne from Arrested Development this season. You're going to be saying her all the time. I disagree because she's such a big, forceful personality that was already annoying people when she wasn't allowed to talk to them mm-hmm. uh, that I don't think you could ignore her the way like feel was you know like bland was background Kimmy would be out there until she's out of there 
Um, this is a season of gamers where they wouldn't want to vote out somebody because she's annoying. I think Kimmy will break that mold. <laughs> uh, in a traditional season, she's the easy first boot, even with cast there, just because it's like, oh, God, I want to sleep tonight, get rid of her, her voice is... <laughs> I think they'll probably take care of business a bit, but then, you know, if she's there past four tribal councils, it's only because she never went to tribal council. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how a tribe with her on it doesn't go to tribal council at some time in the first four. Right. Okay. So that's all I have to say about her. Want to move on? I'll also say that I never voted for Kimmy either. Uh, but yeah, sure. Why not? I think I did at some point just because I wanted to spread around some of the votes. Why her, America? Why not? T-Bird! Oh, I rewatched Africa this summer too, and T-Bird was so great. She's such a wonderful woman. But I mean, the answer is Australia was watched by 50 million people and Africa right. was not. Can you imagine yeah. if they do another second chances, how deep down they're going to have to reach for Australia? It's like, okay, Keith family, it's your turn. Speaking of digging deep to find talent, Samoa, did you realize that there were people in Samoa that were not Russell Hance? Well, there was that Natalie. She won, right? Oh, right. I almost forgot about that. I, uh, there's a flaw in that game. There is. And then there's Shambo. And then... Remember that guy they CGI'd into the season and he was there for an episode or two? We like Jason. That was a person. Oh, that's right. We actually did like Jason. Uh, but anyway, we're beating around the bush. Monica is someone I'm going to call a favorite because, and again, this applied to a lot of my favorites. She's just not going to be a target for so long that by the time people get around to thinking of her as a target, hopefully she'll be able to make some moves and it's a short path to the finish line. Yeah, I would put Monica, barring weird swap things, a lock to make the merge. Oh yeah. Why? Why would you vote out Monica? She's seems nice enough. I I think she's fit enough to not be a liability. Um, she's insanely attractive. She's not a threat to uh people for camera time because she has yet to be on camera much in Survivor. I mean, I really don't have all that much else to say about her. She's kind of a blank slate, but again. Blank slates tend to do pretty well in returnee seasons. Yeah, no, she's a total tabula rasa. Uh, I voted for her every time because once you got down Well, to... let's be real about why we voted for her. Wow, she is beautiful. There we go. She's yeah. stunning. I mean, and they had a bunch of young hotties in there. A lot of them didn't really do much for me. Right. Uh, and a lot of them didn't get voted on. And she hustled very hard and campaigned very well. She so did. So that and, yeah, you're looking at a bunch of faces and, like... She's incapable of taking a bad photograph. And there were some terrible photographs in that group, too. Yeah. Like, they're fantastic with video. Horrible with photos. Yeah. Um, some of it's probably because, you know, like, people have to, like, be in their dumpy bathing suits on a beach. But some of it's because they, they suck at that. But she looks phenomenal. And I think that's why people voted. It's like, oh, sure, I would not mind watching that. I also think she can do very well, um, and not that I have anything to base it on. They drum up, right, drummed up like, I was the one that stood up to Russell. Yeah, sure, whatever. And then he voted you out. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. But yeah, for all the reasons, the traditional reasons and all-stars, she is not somebody that people will worry about. Everything right. is. Right. And let's finish up. We started with the person that you worried I was going to trash, and now... <laughs> Go for it. Well, well, you should take the lead on this one so that I can uh, drop the hammer at the end. Sierra is the last person we're going to talk about. Uh, our very first podcasting season was Blood versus Water, and you stumped very hard for Sierra, mostly just because you had picked her as your winner at the start of the season, and I believe she was one of your fantasy picks as well. 
Well, I picked her for the winner because she was my fantasy pick. There we go. That's and I right. had a late round pick, so it wasn't even like, yeah, no. <laughs> wow, I would have liked to have drafted Tyson. Um, no, no, yeah, you, uh, you, you've promised some heat here. Let's see what you got. I'm going to disappoint you here because I'll call her a long shot winner. I think she has a chance, but I'm really hoping that people will overrate her in terms of strategy, just like they are going to overrate Steven and say like, oh, she voted out her mom. She'll do anything. She's crazy. And her mom was going home anyway. It really didn't matter. Like, why piss someone else off with throwing her vote somewhere else? That's so overblown. Yeah, no, that was a TV moment. That's what that was. Exactly. Where Sierra was impressive and comes up less often in interviews, but, I mean, again, they're going to talk about her big moment uh, through editing, was just her willingness to try things when somebody in her position never does. Phrasing. And that's all I ever was saying back then is you and Matt and everybody's like, oh, I don't see it with her. She's nothing. It's like, no, no, this character type is almost always nothing. There's something there. Will it become of anything? I don't know. But, like, even early on, she was able to have enough good relationship with enough with Caleb that Brad went home instead of her. When they were targeting uh, Tyson's girlfriend, Rachel, uh, she and uh, Tina's daughter, Katie. Katie. Sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, threw votes at uh, John Cody just in case there was an idol play. Like, it's just yeah. tiny little things. It's like, usually the young, because she was super young, um, skinny uh, woman is just kind of there. There was something there. So once the merge comes, yeah, okay, she votes at her mom, whatever. But she was willing to go to rocks. She tried, uh, she tricked Katie into tell, uh, revealing the information that she didn't have an idol. She tried to get Monica to flip. There was just, there were seeds of an active player there that her archetype doesn't normally have. And that's all I said before. In this season, I think that works against her, like you said. Yep. So the counterpoint, by the way, is that she went to rocks, but she did it too late because she didn't realize that she was on the outside of that alliance until it was too late. Oh, absolutely. My counterpoint then and now is always that, uh, yeah, imagine that. She was behind the timing against somebody who had played two times before. Right, this. exactly. She was also young and, you know, she was competing against returnees. Yeah. Plenty of people in her space would have sat there at that tribal council even realizing, wow, I'm not in this great spot, but what can you do? And fourth place ain't bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, every move she made was probably three days too late, at least. But at least it happened. True. And, but it built now, this big resume of Sierra, the great game player. She's an, she's okay. She has Savu. She, she could help. If she gets into an alliance, she could be a contributor to discussion. The problem is, is she worth it? Because she is an albatross in challenges and stuff early. So if you have that, I don't think she's a big contributor around camp either, or perhaps a contributor at all. So if you have all that, combined with somebody who might be strategically dangerous, who's shown the willingness to vote out even her closest ally, why not just toss her aside? Yep. But why not? Maybe the uh, what she showed before, she can use, and she can actually do things like put it, keep putting herself one to move ahead. Yeah, as long as it ain't me, or if there's some alphas they're looking to have the fifth person in their alliance, if she volunteers to be that person, that could take her a little while. So, yeah, I agree. Long shot. All right, so prediction time. Okay, winner for the season? 
So, so after all that bluster about, I don't know if you know, it's all about the person that we don't know about, uh, my prediction is Monica. Because I don't, I don't know what to expect, and she's the person I most don't know what to expect, though. <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna roll the dice. I'm gonna look so stupid if he goes home first. I'll save Arner. That would be amazing. After all of my talk about, you know, female, under the radar, winners, blah, 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 I'm gonna pick Varner. And I don't want to do it because I feel like I'm jinxing him and I really want to see him succeed because I love this guy so much. He's been just phenomenal in the preseason stuff and in all the campaigning. I'm going to pick him to win. I, one other point about Monica is just uh, what I've been kind of saying throughout about impressions and how you can work against your impression. She has less to work against than anybody Thus, if she does things well, it'll be much easier for her to impress people than other people. Yeah, your uh, low bar theory with Cass. Exactly. But, like, Cass is under the ground, right? Like, she has <laughs> to work out uh, as, like, oh, she's not horrible. Which, yeah, she can't work her way all up to, yeah, she's really great. Whereas Monica's like, oh, man, I didn't even see it. You played an amazing game. And maybe it doesn't even have to be that amazing. Um, so there you go. And then my first boot prediction for the Bayon tribe was obviously Tasha. Who do you got? Oh, we're picking by tribe first boot? Yeah, we'll do by tribe this season, and maybe our records will be better than last year. Jeez. All right. Uh, from Bayon, I'll say, I'll say Joe. All right. I can see it. Uh, and then Takeo, uh, my pick, you know, I think this is a tribe because there's a lot of players and a a couple of alliances going head to head that they will just take out the wild card. I'm going to go with Abby. Oh, I was tempted to take Abby too, but I'll say, uh, I'll say Wigglesworth goes home. Alright. Okay, so there's one last thing we want to talk about for this, uh, upcoming season that has been discussed out in the public. We didn't have to go out and search the deep, dank corners of Reddit or anything. Jeff Probst has said this in interviews. But if you've been avoiding those and you consider them spoilers, now's a good time to stop listening. Thank you for listening this far. Yeah, and be- actually before you go, we should tell you where you can find us. Yes. It- we are at purplerockpodcast.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher. We are on Twitter at purplerockpod, and Andy is at purplerockandy. You can find us on Tumblr, which Andy and Emma now do for us. And Andy, you're gonna, you're gonna have to say where that's at. Let's hope it's purplerockpodcast.tumblr.com. <laughs> okay, well, it's on you if you're wrong on that. Yeah, but we've resurrected our Tumblr presence. Basically, we just want to participate in the community there. It's a much, uh, different uh, survivor type community and it kind of seems fun so we're going to be there a lot of it will be you know, reposting our content from our website but we'll also be sharing the content that's generated there so if you're a tumblr type person and you like gifts and stuff give us a follow and if you want to email us for some reason we are purple rock podcast at gmail.com all right now that out of the way let's talk about the quote-unquote spoiler you were mentioning all right, so they're doing idols different this season. Uh, there's two different things going on about it. The first is the how you acquire an idol. And at least for the earlier portion of the game, um, clues will be hidden at camp. The idol will be hidden at challenges. Yes, so you'll have to actually acquire an idol at the challenge. And a very astute follower of ours pointed out that if you were trying to acquire that idol and then hide it, if you're a woman, you're likely competing in a bikini in these challenges, and the men would not have that same problem. The men could stuff it down their shorts. Women, good luck hiding it. 
yeah, we'll see how that goes, if it goes at all. Um, you know, the easy joke is Survivor isn't that interested in women having immunity idols, so mm-hmm. no harm, no foul. Uh, this could play into the other twist about the idol is that they will be, none of the idols will look the same. There's going to be, uh, multiple kinds of idols, some of which will look very polished and very idol-like, and some will look like perhaps and hoping, mm. like a stick with a face carved into it. Oh my god, I'm so hoping for that. Yeah, Probst, I think, quote is basically like a five-year-old made it in arts and crafts. So, and the idea behind this being that us people will not know whether somebody has a real idol or a fake idol. You might have the real one and people believe it will fake. You might be able to fake one and people can't say, well, that's not like this idol. Uh, so in tune with the thing at, uh, idols hidden at challenges and ladies, maybe it'll be something small and thin enough that could slip into their top. Um, some women have hidden idols in their bras before. Sandra, you know one. Mm-hmm. So it's possible, but yeah, that is an issue that I wouldn't be surprised they didn't think about through. Because <laughs> as we've heard in discussions, I believe uh, Shireen brought this up in her interview with him, not a lot of male voices in the room and the planning and the creative. But um, that aside, what do you think of these changes and what they can bring? Oh, of course I love them. I mean, one of the things that we like about the show is that they keep innovating. They don't just, you know rehash the exact same stuff season after season if something works they'll bring it back but they try to stay ahead of the curve and of what the players are planning for if something breaks they usually abandon it and try something else and i like this one this was good i I didn't even expect this because the idol thing wasn't really broken they're just adding a new element to it yeah and i think the the idol requires constant tweaks because everybody knows how to beat them and that's why you have to do this. Uh, in our s- summer s- series of 30 for 30, a lot of the things are there. It's like, this is the counter ploy with the idol. And this is the counter counter ploy with the idol. Uh, so this is another one. You know, people will be like, okay, well, that person's been gone for a long time. Then they might have an idol or let's all just go around looking. Now that can't be it. Now they have to get it a different way. And some people are afraid of idols that are out in the open. And some people aren't. Um, one uh, conspiracy theory-ish thing that I thought of with the whole fake idol thing is, like, is this their Joe insurance? Yeah, Mr. <laughs> Jewelry Maker can just make all his fake idols, and that's how he survives? Could be. I mean, you know, I'm sure he's a favorite of some in production. Yeah, and, like, he made a fake idol last season. At the end of the day, it was like, oh, that's all well and good. But the person he was bluffing with had the real idol, so he mm-hmm. knew that was a lie. Or I think he was about 95% sure. Problem is, of course, always is... Fake idols are only good for tricking people. They can't actually protect you. Uh, so, but yeah, I'm all for it, you know? And it was a uh, great kismet because right as that was being announced, you were about set to publish how uh, Yao Man creating a fake idol had influenced Survivor. And it turns out so much so that they're changing it to make that even easier because yep. it's, it's interesting. It's a different twist. It's uh, good television. I'm excited to see it play out. Good job, Survivor producers. All right. Well, that's a lot of talk about Survivor. I think we're ready. So the season's coming soon. We hope you are subscribed to us on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever venue you choose to subscribe. Uh, once the season starts, we generally post new episodes on, let's say, early-ish Friday, Eastern time at least. Uh, we will have a very special episode after the premiere. I think it's the premiere, right? So I'm going to be in Texas at that time. So I have nothing to do there. And while I'm there, 
I believe we are going to try to attempt a live video podcast. Yes. Yeah, so uh, if that happens, you know, if you follow us on our various social channels, we'll get the news out. If you'd like to watch us live, uh, we will be on a Google Hangout. It will post to YouTube. So that's a thing that could happen. Unless, yep. of course, uh, you, John's internet connection is terrible, and I'll be talking about the season premiere with somebody else. Yes. Uh, yeah, we look forward to it. We're going to try to keep doing different things this season, even if some of that is just talking about how very, very wrong we were over this past two hours. Which will definitely happen. All right, anything else? Nope, let's hit the theme music. That's what it's like when a woman wants a baby.